Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 59, the Tim Schaller episode. The, the man who single-handedly took New York Rangers and turned them upside down in the course of one night. One, one before, goal. Well, before Tom, Tom Wilson arrived, it was Tim Shallow who dismantled the New York Rangers. Yes, I would say he did a better job of dismantling them than, than Tom Wilson did. He did it much cleaner. He just undressed like three different defenders, put it up over. Was it Lundquist? And then they had to pull Lundquist mm-hmm. immediately, I think. So that was yep. kind of the end of the beginning of the end for the Rangers. Tim Shallow induced it. Very good fourth liner. Very underrated. Um, yes. In his time. New but anyways, New Hampshire legend. Yes, New Hampshire legend. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ride. Connor, you have been away for uh, quite a while. Not away from this, but in general away. You were in Utah and Wyoming and that part of the country. How was it? It was lovely, Evan. It was, uh, you take for granted being in Massachusetts where everything is flat and there's traffic jams everywhere. In Wyoming, a lot of open space. Also traffic jams, but it's bison, which is a lot cooler than just a guy from Malden screaming at you. Uh, so it was a great, great way to get away, get a nice reset before the uh, season gets underway. And also, got you a little rock. Oh, so there it is. Ah, oh, I got the rock. Uh, see, guys, I didn't ask, and he did it. We talked about him Bruins. It, 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 it was definitely not peer pressure from social media. Nope, I got it out of the... <laughs> Warmness of my heart, Evan. So there you go. Look, it's even shining on the green screen. It looks just like me. Yeah. yeah, that looks. That's. I think that's. That's the best rock I could have ever asked for. What state is that from? Utah, Wyoming. What's that from? Uh, it's you know definitely you know it has to be from Wyoming. It might have like some bison shit on it, but as all hell fine. yeah. Swipe it there off. we yeah. go. We you know got it's my rock. Oh yeah. It's, like it's not like one of those gift shops that you know they have from like you know. From San Diego all the way up to like Bahaba, where it's like that big like gem section where you can like just pick your rocks. No, we're not. We're not doing that. That 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 stuff. You're going out into the wild for that stuff. Um, of course. So yes, that there is that. I, I my week has been made. I my life goals have been all achieved. Um, but anyways, happy to have you back in New England. Um, nothing big happening with the Bruins per se. Uh, it is that time of year. I was happy actually that I did listener questions on Monday with Bruins beat because I don't know what I would have talked about. So I was glad that people gave me topics to discuss. Um, but we'll start with this. And it was, it's Tomas hurdle, Tomas hurdle with the sharks center for them. He's been there a long time, obviously became well-known with that four goal game. He had, uh, what was it like one of his first games, 
Or was it? It, it was, wasn't his. It was, I don't think it was his first game, but it was very early. Joseph spawned yeah. the the Joe Thornton, uh, the Joe Thornton discussion, the the famed four goal. Yes. Uh, we we won't go into details about that, but, but it was Tomas Hurdle who who started that discourse. So yes, good for him for for starting that. Uh, but he's going to be a free agent after this upcoming season. The Sharks are headed nowhere. They're a team riddled with bad contracts. That team will not be contending for probably another like 10 years, just given the Eric Carlson contract, Brent Burns's contract. I feel like they have another really bad one. Logan Couture's isn't that Vla- great. Vlasic. Oh, Mark Edward Vlasic's another really bad one. So they have a lot of, uh, I remember when Dom did that piece for the athletic about the worst contracts in the league. I think the Sharks had like three or four of them. Three or four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, and also Evander Kane is stuck on a big contract and that man is massively in debt along with many other bad things. So the Sharks yes. are not doing so well. Well, that man needs his money. That guy. Yeah, needs that is true. Yeah. <laughs> he will not be, he will not be, he will not be leaving there anytime soon. And I don't think anybody would take him, uh, especially with that money and those issues. Um, but a lot of people are looking at Hurdle as a guy the Bruins could target as a guy who would fit well here as a good two way center. What do you think? No, I think it makes plenty of sense if you're looking for an actual realistic replacement for David Krejci down the road, whether that be in free agency or even at the, the deadline, you know, a lot can change over the course of the season, as we all know. But when, when it comes to kind of projecting the trade market, when we get to it in the middle of the season, it sure seems like Tomas Hartle is going to be probably one of the top uh, guys out there on the market to acquire, uh, especially with looking at just the way the Sharks are built. And as much as we like to dunk on the Sabres for the way they're built in their kind of direction, you can make the argument the Sabres are in a much better spot than the Sharks in terms of just not having such a bleak future where, I mean, the Sharks farm system is depleted. You can't really move a lot of those contracts. So Hurdle's one of the few guys that can, that actually part ways with, they can get a pretty solid return on. So if you're the Bruins, yeah, I, I think uh, Hurdle makes a whole bunch of sense and more sense than obviously until Jack Eichel finally gets traded, we're going to keep on talking about him. It's going to be nonstop every, you know, every, it seems like we've got another five or six chapters of this uh, drama to get through before we, you know, find out where exactly he ends up. But when you look at Hurdle and where he fits, one, uh, I mean, he's still going to cost a whole lot. Won't cost you, I think, as much as Eichel in terms of, you know, especially in terms of the contract, if you're picking him up this year, especially. Um, but you just look at the way Hurdle plays, Great offensive player, 30-goal capability, but also very good in his own end as well. Um, kind of fits a similar mold as a Krejci. Maybe not as – their play style is a little bit different that, you know, hurdles a bit more of a scorer, but both very solid two-way guys, both definitely top six players, a guy that can elevate your team. So if you're the Bruins, I think it makes plenty of sense to, you know, uh, at the very least kick the tires on them if they're, they have them out of the market. Um, I'd be shocked if San Jose keeps them. You would think that, you know, this is one of your few opportunities to kind of start whatever rebuild you're trying to put out there. But um, obviously, when it comes down to it, though, it's going to come down to what the price is and it's going to depend on what the Bruins are willing to offer. Um, And that's where things can get tricky, because as we've talked about before, the Bruins have some promising guys coming through the system. But also when you've got, you know, one or two key guys out there, it also makes it less hesitant to actually move pieces. So whether that's. You know, are you parting ways with a, a Lori or a, a Beecher or a, a Swayman? You know, that that's where it gets tough is when like, yeah, like Swayman gets thrown into the mix. But you're going to have to give to get. So uh, if, if the Bruins are looking at a guy like Hurdle, though, it, it, it makes plenty of sense, especially when it comes to filling that, that 2C vacancy that right now it's going to be Charlie Coyle's job. But 
if we get into November and December and, you know, Coyle is, you know, best utilized as a 3C and they're kind of running through rotation of guys there at 2C, then it's going to be even more pressing to, you know, acquire a game changer like a hurdle. I don't even think it's just for the second line spot. I think, again, with Bergeron's contract up after this upcoming season, you have to start thinking really ahead. You know, I mean, he'll probably, I would think he'd re-up and he'll be back for a year or two more. But after that, what do you have? And I think getting a guy like Hurdle is a good stopgap in between. I mean, is he your future number one center? I don't think so, but you never know. Maybe, I mean, again, in Hurdle's, in, in the one year, in the last year, the Sharks were very good, which was 2018-19. They should have beat the Blues in that Western Conference Final. We won't get into that because uh, if they had beat the Blues, the Bruins would have probably beat the Sharks in five games. Uh, but Hurdle had 74 points in 77 games and was a, like a legit contributor and very good. And he still is, again, but he's on these terrible teams the past two years. I just – I do think that a large part of it is you you have to also think in terms of who can potentially be the number one center. Um, and I don't – again, as I said, I don't know if Hurdle – can be that number one center. Um, but who knows? But yeah, I also do wonder if they decide, if they don't trade for him and they decide to just go for him in free agency. Mm-hmm. But you have to hope that he doesn't go to like the, you know, a team like, let's say the Rangers and then just resign there. Um, right. Where, you know, because like they got lucky, you know, obviously with Taylor Hall. Well, the Sabres, I guess, technically got lucky with Taylor Hall that he went to the Coyotes and then they uh, signed him after that. So you're right. It would take a lot to get hurdle. Maybe they wait for free agency. Maybe they don't. Not exactly the safest bet in the world in waiting to sign him. But what is a safe bet? Is our good friends over at BetUS? Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. And why do you ask? It's because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years, 25 years. That's like That's older than me. Two times older than Evan. I know. Listen, guys, you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity. And you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sportsbook that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. Nobody in the industry gives you bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Evan, I was out in Wyoming, and a, a random guy came up to me out of the brush. You know what he told me? Out of the brush. No one, <laughs> he said, no one beats that. I can imagine. I mean, that's happening all over Wyoming. All seven people that live there, they know nobody beats BetUS. He didn't, he didn't even add any contact. He just said nobody beats that. It was really <laughs> odd. Listen, guys. Just that. I just bet, that. <laughs> I bet at BetUS, and so should you. Go now to BetUS.com. Join BetUS.com today and start betting with America's favorite sportsbook. That's BetUS.com, where the game begins. Where the game begins. Out of the brush. Out of the brush. (laughs) Retrovendous. So one thing you wrote about recently, uh, and and one thing I think everyone's wondering about, is Derek Forbert. Is he a fit with Charlie McAvoy on this top pairing? And obviously... You and I have both been big on the Grizzlick McAvoy train. We've been proven right because the, the stats actually do prove that they are very good together, especially when it comes to generating scoring chances. But they do want to get bigger. They want to get better defensively. Forbert helps that. What do you see as Forbert and McAvoy sticking together? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's going to be a situation where 
I would not be surprised if training camp opens and kind of similar to last year, right? I think we were going through potential lineup changes and, and, and shuffles that Bruce Cassidy planned. We mapped out McAvoy and Grizzlick as a pairing. We're like, all right, well, they look good in limited, you know, spurts last year, you know, that past season. Chara's obviously gone, so they got to find a new guy for McAvoy. But, you know, it makes plenty of sense, right? And they open camp with Jeremy Lozon and McAvoy. And you're like, oh, okay. I mean, see how it works. It's a different dynamic. And that's not to say that Jeremy Lozon is the same as Derek Fulbert. And, you know, hopefully he, he's a better player if you're the Bruins signed him and identified him as a, a guy who, granted, he's not flashy, but has, you know, pretty solid D zone numbers, you know, for, for what he was on a pretty thin Winnipeg defense last year. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they opened the year with Fulbert with McAvoy and, you know, you can see the merit in it, right? Like as, as great as, you know, McAvoy and Grizzly are together and as great as the underlying numbers are, I think even us, you know, stack geeks have to admit that, you know, this, it doesn't always paint the whole picture and you have to add context and, you know, certain situations and that, you know, you look at, uh, the, the playoffs last year. And I feel like that's probably what is sticking more in Bruce Cassidy's mind is, how they fared against that really physical Islanders forecheck as opposed to them, you know, pantsing the the Buffalo Sabres in the Ozone during the regular season, right? I think you have to take that into, uh, you have to weigh that when it comes to lineup decisions. But, uh, it, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. I wouldn't be surprised if Fulbright gets the first look there and just see what the dynamic is. You know, is he going to be like a, yeah, you map it out and it makes sense from just a pure eye test of, all right, if McAvoy is the one with the pocket, he's the one advancing the pocket pushing through the neutral zone, it's good to have a guy like Derek Forbert who can kind of, you know, hang back, can, you know, snuff out the other scoring chances and play like a sniffle stay-at-home game and compliment McAvoy that way. Um, but it's also going to be pretty tempting, right? Because it's, you know, you're starting with Forbert and McAvoy, but you also know, you know, in the back of your mind, you've got a pretty dynamic, you know, five-and-five five duo there with McAvoy and Grizzly that you can, granted, you can turn to at any time. It's a, a luxury that the, the Bruins have that a lot of teams don't. It's like, all right, well, Twist my arm. I guess we go back to the the two D pair, the the D pair that had like a, a sixty eight, you know, chances for uh, percentage last year. Like it, it's a good problem to have if you're the Bruins. It's just whether or not Forbert is what they think he is in terms of being a solid shutdown guy. Because I feel like you know, as much as you know, he didn't get as much headlines as a Alexiak or a Martinez this this offseason. He's still a solid player, but just how solid is he? That's like kind of what it is, right? Like we we you kind of have the, the book out on him a little bit, but everyone to be seen, what is he? Like, is he going to like turn into like a, a Seidenberg type, like just like shut down, stay at home guy, or is he just like a, a five, six, you know, defenseman who like will log his minutes, do a solid job, but you know, it, it seems like it's still kind of up in the air in terms of how he's best utilizing this team. But I think McAvoy gets the first look there. And, and I agree. I think Forbert does get the first look next to McAvoy, but I also think, you know, you can switch things around. Based on your yeah. opponent, based on the situation, I think you're going to see a lot of times this year, uh, Grizzlick and McAvoy paired for games, and I think you're going to see sometimes Forbert and McAvoy paired for games. Now, come the playoffs, I think then it's going to really depend on the opponent. If you're facing the Islanders, Forbert and McAvoy is your go-to. If you're facing a different team that you can maybe dominate a little bit more, isn't as physical, you go back to Grizzlick and McAvoy. So uh, I do think you're going to see them maybe flip flop a bit. But as you said, I think it's a pretty done, not a done deal, but I think camp will open uh, with Forbert next to McAvoy. And it's unfortunate because Grizzly did have a, a solid season last year. And, and there was a lot of good with him in that top four. Um, but I, it, it is going to be weird seeing him back on the third pairing. Uh, Cause obviously it'll be Riley and Carlo. I would imagine 
Um, they're paying Riley enough. And then you'll have most likely Grizzly and Clifton on that third pairing or a guy like Brady Lyle who could step up. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff there. I'm also interested to see a full season of Mike Riley. I think that's going to be very interesting yeah. to see just how he performs offensively. Is he still as good as he was at the end of last year? How does he fit with Carlo? Do you think there's any chance that Riley uh, and Grizzlick switch and Grizzlick goes to second pairing or no? Yeah, I think that's definitely a, an option to have. And as much as yeah, I think the Bruins were really intrigued by Riley and Carlo as a pair last year, still didn't really see it that much. And unfortunately, it was a lot because of Brennan Carlo's injuries, but I think they like what they see there, but again, you can switch that around to see how Grizzly fares with Kahlo because early on in the this past season, when it was a lot of McAvoy and Lozon, you saw Grizzly earn quite a few reps with Carlo, and they used kind of a in an interesting way that I don't know whether it's the Bruins knowing how good Mac, uh, Grizzly is with you know pushing the puck out of you know the D zone and going through transition, but they used that Carlo Grizzly pairing as a pretty much like kind of a shutdown pair. If you look at like their O zone deployment whole lot of D zone stats, a whole lot of unfavorable matchups, but whether it's the mix of having a guy like Carlo, who, you know, when he's healthy, can shut down scoring chances and a guy like Grizzly who gets the puck out of danger, they kind of use that pretty effectively. So if they think maybe that's a better fit with Carlo than opposed to Riley, who I think we know is a very good playmaker, a very good guy on the offensive blue line, but maybe isn't as, you know, adept at pushing the puck out in transition as a guy like Grizzly is, they could very well do that. And, I think either way you swing it, whether it's Riley or Grizzlick, you got a pretty good, pretty good playmaking guy on that third D pair that can kind of drive that pair next to Clifton or Lyle. So, you know, it, it's kind of the same way the forward lineups are set up right now, where they're definitely not overloading, I think. But if you've got talent throughout the lineup, like we still don't know how the Bruins third line of, you know, right now we'll say DeBrusque, Felino, and Howell is going to be, but it's certainly intriguing. And you're kind of saying the same thing about the, the decor right now that, it's more balanced than it, you know, it's been probably in years past and whether that's a good thing or whether it's, you know, they should just keep McAvoy and Grizzly together and overload that kind of decor. Um, it, it's going to be interesting just how it all kind of maps out because obviously a lot of new faces you know, on this roster, but still remains to be seen how it all kind of maps out. And I, I also think, again, it's, it comes down to depth. They're deep. They're, they're somewhat deep on the back end and they're very deep uh, with their forwards. I do still think, you're probably going to see them need to go out and get a defense with the deadline. And you're probably going to see them need to go out and get a forward at the deadline. Maybe it's Tomas Shirtle. Maybe it's not. Who knows? It's a long time away from now. But that is today's episode of Poke the Bear, episode 59. Connor, before uh, we go, what would you like to tell the people about uh, what's coming up at BSJ? Yeah, so as you said, we just broke down a uh, you know a look at Derek Fulbert and how he's best utilized on the Bruins roster. We'll be looking at other lineup questions, whether that's, you know, what the Bruins have in a guy like Linus Olmark, who, if you're paying him $5 million a year, you hope he's the number one goaltender. So we'll be looking at that. We'll be looking at, um, you know, early previews of training camp battles in terms of, uh, you know, who could be in that third pairing role, whether it's Clifton or Lyle, all those kind of matchups. Finally, I think the ball is rolling to get started on the season. So um, we'll have all that stuff over at bostonsportsjournal.com. So subscribe over at BSJ. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore. 93. Go do that for all original tweets and content. Oh, look uh, at that. <laughs> Good job, right in there. Got that in there. As always, thank you for listening. Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.